0: Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. Um, I am doing a special mini-sode today. I'm actually recommending two movies. Um, Kind of three also, but I'll get into that. But basically I I wanted to put together like a perfect double feature. And um, these are two movies that I think go together really well for many reasons. And I'm going to get into that. Uh, The two movies... Mm. Uh, for this double feature I'm recommending, are uh, Rio Bravo, uh, directed by Howard Hawks, and Assault on Precinct 13, directed by John Carpenter. Um, First, I want to give some context about the movie Rio Bravo, which is a classic Western. Um, If you have a grandpa, (laughs) like a classic, like a you know, a white grandpa with a mustache. Uh, you might have probably seen Rio Bravo at some point, maybe on the AMC channel or something like that. Um, but basically, uh, Rio Bravo has an interesting uh, story politically. It came out in 1959. Uh, like I said, directed by Howard Hawks, stars John Wayne, uh, Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson... Uh, Walter Brennan, Angie Dickinson, Ward Bond, who you might know as um, uh, Bert the Cop from um, It's Wonderful Life, Uh, was also in a bunch of movies with John Wayne, they were good friends, but um, Rio Bravo was basically made because of the movie High Noon, and uh, High Noon, that's sort of the secret third movie i'm recommending today high noon uh also a classic western um the reason i'm not really technically like officially endorsing this is because it's it's kind of like a it's kind of one of those canon classics like just everybody knows high noon uh if you like westerns odds are you've seen high noon if you consider yourself like a fan um not to say there's not to play like the real fan game but um High Noon came out in 1952, and it was pretty important. It was it was directed by uh, Fred Zinnemann, who um, also uh, directed uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, A Man for All Seasons. And uh, High Noon was about this um, this sheriff played by Gary Cooper, um, and basically he's just gotten married to. Uh, a woman played by Grace Kelly. They're about to get out 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 of town. Uh, he's about to retire, being a sheriff from being a sheriff, and then uh, he kind of gets word that um, that uh, an old nemesis of his, uh, Frank Miller, is coming back into town, and he wants revenge. So he postpones his plans to leave town, and it's basically the whole movie's a ticking clock. Him trying to get ready, trying to recruit people to face Frank Miller and his his guys but uh nobody really wants to take his side they all kind of chicken out and he's kind of left to himself. Um so what's important is the screenplay for High Noon was written by Carl Foreman who I believe was later blacklisted um for associations with the Communist Party and the movie is very clearly a um like a metaphor for the blacklist at the time which was, you know, in full force. Um, and interestingly enough, I think, uh, John Wayne actually turned down the lead role in High Noon because of that. John Wayne was a big, uh, pro-blacklist guy. Uh, he and Gary Cooper were both, I believe, members of the Republican Party, but they disagreed on the blacklist. Gary Cooper was against the, um, you know, just sort of the unconstitutional invasion of people's privacy and dictating who could work based on their personal beliefs. And so, um... Gary Cooper was in High Noon. It was a huge success. Won a bunch of Oscars. Gary Cooper won Best Actor. One of my favorite stories in the history of um, uh, Hollywood is that when he won Best Actor, uh, he wasn't able to show up uh, to the Oscars. And so he had John Wayne accept on his behalf, which is really funny. John Wayne's speech is on YouTube uh, someday if you want to see it. But um, basically, High Noon came out. John Wayne uh, goes up to his friend Howard Hawks after High Noon comes out. They have a conversation. It's like, Howard, are you mad? Howard's like, yeah, I'm mad. Are you mad? And John Wayne's like, yeah, I'm mad. Why are you mad? And it turns out they were both mad about High Noon because they both thought it was an incredibly un-American Western. They thought that a noble lawman um, would not be, you know, scrounging for help, looking for regular people in the town to help him face a bad guy. They think, you know, a man takes his responsibilities up, you know, himself. And, um, you know, there were many other elements of the story uh, that they were upset about, which I won't get into because I do highly recommend High Noon. It's a great Western. You should definitely go see it. Uh, Perfect kind of for the time it came out. It had some sort of revisionist aspects uh, to it, which, you know, later came... If, if you listen to my Great Silence uh, mini-sode, you know that I like uh, I love a good revisionist western. Um, and those definitely um, westerns got more revisionist as time went by. But basically, John Wayne and Howard Hawks wanted to make their response to High Noon. They wanted to make a movie with uh, not such clear uh, left-wing politics as High Noon supposedly had. Um... Even though I don't think High Noon is is abrasively left wing, uh, it's famously like the favorite movie of a lot of presidents. I think it's Bill Clinton's favorite movie. It's Ronald Reagan's favorite movie too. I think they both screened it many times in the White House because they kind of you know Ronald Reagan specifically saw it as a movie about a man who was respect uh, was um, accepting his own personal responsibilities, um, and so it's it's definitely interpretable, but. Howard Hawks and John Wayne uh, wanted to do their their all American remake of uh, High Noon, and uh, that eventually gave us Rio Bravo in um, 1959. And uh, I love Rio Bravo. Rio Bravo might personally be my favorite film starring John Wayne. Probably my easily, I'd say my favorite Howard Hawks movie. Um, this is unrelated to the the the. Um, I guess right-wing origins <laughs> of the, the creation of Rio Bravo, um, but I do think that's really interesting. I think uh, the, the fact that it was made—Howard Hawks even openly said, "I made Rio Bravo because I hated High Noon." Um, Rio Bravo, interestingly enough, it, it it's about a similar story. You know, John Wayne is this uh, sheriff, uh, Chance, and uh, but it, but it's also like a. Um and and basically he you know he is in a similar situation he's awaiting, um, he's awaiting uh, this uh, an old nemesis of his to show up back in town with his uh, men and uh, they have to you know he he has team up with a with a recovering alcoholic played by Dean Martin and uh, they have to uh, defend the town uh, basically same same setup uh, but. you know, John Wayne does have a a love interest, but it's not serious. <laughs> it's it's not a wife. He's not settling down. He's not a, abandoning his quote unquote uh, manly responsibilities. <laughs> um, and uh, what proceeds from there is a really great like kind of hangout movie. Like it's it's two hours and twenty minutes long, and you know the movie has a lot of great sequences of life and death uh but also like a lot of you know lighthearted moments a lot of these guys just like hanging out in the prison um you know talking about the game plan there's a lot of uh uh, a lot of comedy that comes from Walter Brennan's character he's sort of like a cripple crippled crippled type of character who uh is also deputy a deputy of um John Wayne's and um I think the characters of the movie are are what specifically stands out. Obviously Howard Hawks is like one of the great filmmakers of his time. Um, There's so many specific ways that he... Like little um, details he adds to scenes um, that make them that make them go from, like, great to exceptional. They're, uh, they're very simple scenes. There's a very simple scene early on when John Wayne and Dean Martin are um, walking through town, just kind of inspecting. John Wayne's really doing it to keep Dean Martin's mind off of drinking. And there's this kind of this shot of them each on opposite ends of a road uh, with the the buildings from the town uh, on either side. And it's it cuts from... Uh, one of them to the other. It cuts from Dean Martin to John Wayne, on opposite sides of this road, and uh, you you see a, a tumbleweed rolling from Dean Martin's side, and then when it cuts to John Wayne, you see the tumbleweed um, coming onto his side, basically into his shot. And uh, little details like that that like like it it, it binds them together. It uh, the the editing I think is pretty flawless um, in the movie and. Um, Howard Hawks is just like his his you know his his scope his like the widescreen approach to you know what it, it, it's especially is great because it's an ensemble movie and you know you're you're taking all of these various personalities into account it's not you know it's not a seventh samurai it's not to that extent and in, um, in the, the brilliant portrayal of an ensemble cast uh, visually but um, I think it's it's easily one of the best of its kind of westerns. And um, the movie is sort of a, a staple for John Carpenter's career. John Carpenter, if you've heard me talk at length about movies, you would know that John Carpenter is maybe my favorite director of all time. Um, he's been pretty open about the fact that Rio Bravo is one of his favorite films. And you can see Rio Bravo in... A lot of his movies. Um, he, he's talked a lot about how most of his movies include a siege of some sorts. There, It's about some evil from outside trying to get in. And uh, these heroes kind of just gathering their resources. Gathering just, you know, each other. And um, and holding off the evil. You know, you can see in Halloween. You can obviously see it in The Thing. Um you know, uh, uh, even Ghosts of Mars, <laughs> if you're a Ghosts of Mars fan, uh, you've probably saw it in that too. And um, But John Carpenter's uh, maybe earliest hit, his earliest movie that's the most John carpenter John Carpenter movie is The Assault on Precinct 13, which uh, some people consider sort of a, an unofficial remake of uh, Rio Bravo, Um it's not to that extent. Uh, it doesn't really come close. Um, but it is uh, very interestingly connected. And uh, I think it's a great movie. It's a, sort of a... It has a feel that's sort of a low-budget grindhouse uh, 1970s feel. Which, I mean, it is. It is low-budget. It was from the 1970s. Um, and um, But it's just expertly done. And it feels like you're watching the origin story of John Carpenter. And um, basically... Um, Assault on Precinct 13 is an action movie that takes place um, primarily in this uh, LA uh, prison it's precinct uh, it's not a prison, sorry <laughs> uh, you know, police station and uh, it's about to close up there's not a lot of staff there and uh, Austin Stoker is the lead actor in this movie he plays um, Ethan Bishop uh, who's kind of a he's a he's a young cop and he is kind of tasked with overseeing the place while they're moving out but then basically out of a series of circumstances some criminals have to come uh, stay with them for a bit because uh, you know some complications and then um, basically out of a series of circumstances in addition to that a man who is on the run from the gang from a gang <laughs> uh, because, they killed his daughter, and he immediately got revenge. He has now arrived at the police station, and he is just a complete wreck. Uh, kind of a vegetable. Just He can't even explain what happened. And uh, now the gang has surrounded the uh, Precinct 13, and they have sworn a blood oath to kill everybody inside, and that is our movie. That is our siege. That is the titular assault on Precinct 13, and everything that uh, carries out is uh, fantastic. It's such a... It's such, it's a much tighter movie than Rio Bravo. It's not a hangout movie to the extent that that movie is. Um, but you do have this, you know, really cool uh, cast of diverse characters. Um, Ethan Bishop, the main character, is great. He reminds me... It, it, it sort of uh, does seem to be taking a little bit of inspiration from Night of the Living Dead uh, with the casting. Um for the lead role in that film uh, with uh, Dwayne Jones. Um, Cause Austin Stoker is, he's uh, at least out of the cops. He's the only, he's the only black character. Um, and he's the one who kind of, who takes responsibility. And there is this sort of underlying like tension uh, because of that. They talk about his race a little bit at the beginning. Um, but there's like an indignance to some of the other characters uh, about a, a black man, taking charge uh, that's not clear it's like it's not like a racist character just goes on a racist rant but it's like hanging over their heads uh, which reminds me a lot of Dwayne Jones's role in Night of the Living Dead um, and uh, the score also like all of his movies John Carpenter did the score and it's very simple and it's, it's so catchy I hum it to myself uh, quite a lot um, and the reason I think that uh, these movies complement each other. Oh, I also want to mention Napoleon Wilson, played by Darwin Jostin. Uh He's a great character too. He's sort of the lead um, uh, criminal that's locked up there because now they basically the criminals and the cops have to team up to fend off the um, the gang, and uh, that's a great dynamic too. Um, and he's a he's a fun character and. I think these movies complement each other well because, you know, John Carpenter obviously has a lot of reverence for Howard Hawks. He's talked about how Howard Hawks is his favorite director. Obviously, if you've seen The Thing, The Thing is a remake of the Howard Hawks film The Thing from Another World. Um and John Carpenter takes a lot of inspiration from him from just because of his, you know, the 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 scope of his films, the structure of his films um he's a very technical director and if you actually get the uh, if you get Rio bravo on blu-ray there's an audio commentary that includes uh, john carpenter and he talks a lot about just the specific um filmmaking techniques that howard hawks uses in that movie and that's what he's so in love with and it's interesting because john carpenter's kind of become known as a a horror director which he is for the most part um and but he loves the western genre and the westerns um uh, have so much influence on um, a lot of the movies that he's made. Uh, I'm surprised he never actually did make a Western. I would love if John Carpenter came out of retirement and made a Western. Um, That would be amazing. Or Western horror, you know, if you want to go that far. I would give all of my money for it. Um, But these movies uh, make a great double feature because they're two incredibly different filmmakers John Carpenter and Howard Hawks, but they have this, you know, this shared kind of uh, blue-collar, workman-like approach to their jobs. And I mean that in the most... uh, I mean that in the most flattering way. I think that's what I respect about them so much. Uh, Yes, John Carpenter is a believer in uh, auteur theory. He's talked about that. But his approach to film is less... Um, less spiritual and more practical, <laughs> um, you know, John Carpenter is about as far away from, uh, from, you know, a, a, a Tarkovsky as you can possibly get. His movies are very, he, he spends, has so much attention to detail, but it's so, uh, you know, it's, it's practical, it's economical. Because uh, those are the movies he makes. He makes genre films. Yes, there's hidden meetings. Of course there are, lots of the times. Um, but that never takes the forefront, <laughs> you know. And I think that's, what's, uh, that's a big primary similarity between him and Howard Hawks. And um, it's really interesting to see these two f- different filmmakers take this similar premise that originated with High Noon. And kind of do their own things with it. Uh, You know, if I'm getting back into the politics of it, John Carpenter is actually very far left politically. Um, Obviously, if if you've seen They Live, you've seen how much he like railed against the Reaganomics of the 80s. Um, So that's an ideological difference between him and uh, Howard Hawks. And you can get some uh, like um, there's some sort of progressive social awareness in uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Obviously not the uh, the forefront of the movie and you can totally watch the movie without feeling like you're being lectured <laughs> or anything. Uh, but it's there and um, that's why I think uh, when you watch these movies Rio Bravo and then Assault on Precinct 13 you also feel that progression ideologically between the two movies. Um, I don't really have much to say outside of that uh obviously i don't want to spoil these movies i don't want to talk too in depth this is a minisode um i would like everyone to go see these for themselves this is just my full wholehearted recommendation for both of these movies um i uh maybe one day we'll do full-length episodes on one of these uh that'd be a lot of fun because i do have a lot more to say but i'm gonna leave it there now leave it at the surface level um definitely recommend them as a double feature if you a lot of people have free time right now so this is a great time for movie recommendations so um you know if you're looking for like a double feature to uh maybe watch with 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 of your parents you know with a dad with a, whoever you're locked away with um i think they complement each other well have some drinks in between there's a lot of etiquette to doing a great double feature um which I won't talk about now. Maybe more in the future. <laughs> but um, until next time, I've been Johnny Mockney. We have another full-length episode coming for you very soon that I've already recorded. Um, it's about another cult classic um, from the 90s. I'm, if you're a movie podcast listener, odds are you've seen it. But if not, uh, I hope that you will soon. Um, I won't reveal what that is to you until later. But... Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.